morning. Uh, This morning's reading is from Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse, hide and seek game we're in. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? If he asks for fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better? The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Julia. I came stumbling into church with a hot gun in my hands. I was ready to talk to Jesus, to tell him my demands. But Jesus ain't no fool. He's seen this kind of thing before. And he had a couple of angels stop me at the front door. I said, now come on, that ain't fair. You should be accessible to all. He said everybody gets a secretary, even just to take their calls. So address me to my face if you think you've got the gall, but I'm not playing around, boy, at all. Well, this is not what I expected. So I stiffened in my stance, and I tried hard to remember every single horrible circumstance. And then I quivered like a victim with his predator in sight. I was ready now to vindicate. I was ready to start a fight. Now you can stand right there and judge me. Sure, you can send me straight to hell. I know you've got the power. I know that fact full and well. But before you do, explain to me why suffering and why death and why did I pray all these years and waste all that good breath. Hallelujah. Well, the angels sang it under their breath by the door. I give up. I can't go on like this anymore. Well, I appreciate your kind, he said, and then Jesus poured a drink. My face must have looked funny because he said, it's not like you think. I'm saddled with the job, you know, of interpreting my dad to a bunch of frightened people. Frightened. We're just mad. And most of them think they got it right. And then he threw some ice cubes in. But most of them are just dead wrong about life and death and sin. And then I got my fiancé. She's supposed to speak my mind. But sometimes she's just chicken. And then she messes it up other times. Hallelujah. Well, the angels sang it under their breath by the door. Have you ever been that real with Jesus? Have you ever confronted God like that before? Do you think that's appropriate? Or do you think that's the right thing to do? Or maybe does this resonate very deeply with you? Or leave you feeling a tad uneasy? Well, we're going to talk about those issues today, and I apologize up front If this sermon leaves you feeling a little uncomfortable, but comfortable Christianity doesn't appeal to me very much, but authenticity, growth, honesty, and understanding are what I'm seeking in and on my faith journey. And I have a good friend and mentor who likes to say, 
My life goal is to pursue the truth wherever it takes me. So friends, let's see where this takes us. By the way, the story of the guy charging into church were lyrics to a song called Sympathy for Jesus. From a local Christian musician, a guy who got fed up with mainstream Christian music and how it was limiting the creative, raw, and honest pursuit of his faith through music. And trust me, I cleaned up some of those words for you today in church. So he, and you know, this is a guy who put out 10 albums, Christian albums, over 13 years. He, Don Schaefer, created a side project called the Krusty Brothers. So you know this is going to be interesting. And through this side project that he created, edgy material like Sympathy for Jesus was born. According to an interview about the band, they were described, this was this whole thing, and, and actually my husband David and I saw them accidentally one time live, and it was bizarre. The article described the whole shebang as a spiritual affirmation of sorts for Schaefer, who wrote much of the material in the wake of his parents' passing. And when you hear those lyrics without any background knowledge, you might think, wow, that's kind of provocative, maybe a little bit irreverent. Surely that's not a Christian song. And yet it is. It is a very honest and direct song between a believer and Jesus, clearly washed in pain and suffering, evoking questions about the big and heavy things of life, and yet reflective and cathartic in its candor about how some of us feel, or in particular how he feels, about his relationship with Jesus, with Jesus' dad, God, and his fiance. Who's the fiance? Now, this one took me a little bit to get. The church. For 1,500 years or more, the church was referred to as the bride betrothed to Christ. Biblical references called Jesus the bridegroom. So it implies that the church is the bride. Remember, he says sometimes she just messes it up. She's supposed to speak my mind. He's referring to the church. You know, maybe that's not how you see it, but it's an interesting perspective. I think more importantly, what this song sort of evoked for me was how maybe Jesus or God sees the relationship they have with us. Again, that song might not be how you see Jesus, but I admire Schaefer's willingness to portray a scenario of someone unafraid to confront the Holy One head on. Now, it's true that God loves to hear our songs of hallowed praise and adoration, and yet that's only one side of the equation. God knows it all. God hears it all. So why do some of us, many of us, keep it to ourselves so often? Why do we hold back and hold out on God? Where does that come from? Our scriptures this morning said, don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. Some will say, yeah, Allie, but those scriptures, that's relating to like how, you know, you sort of set out a prayer of asking things from God. 
And I say, yeah, I know. Our prayer life should have conversation and dialogue with our creator that is direct, that isn't shrouded in dishonesty. Number one, because I don't think that all God wants is a one-sided relationship built on platitudes and niceties. And number two, because ultimately we miss out on a genuine and sincere relationship with God and his son Jesus when we are guarded. We miss out on knowing something about ourselves. And in particular, we miss out on knowing the nature of Christ and the essence of God. One specific attribute that we are bound to miss if we are not careful is that of empathy. It's pretty simple. My stance here this morning is that through confronting, or another way to put it, through directness with God, we come to find, among many other things, that God is strong enough to withstand our honesty. God is immensely compassionate, thoroughly comforting, and genuinely empathetic towards all humankind. So let's discuss for a few moments why God wants us to be honest and direct in our relationship with him and the biblical support for such a notion. And then we will wrap up this morning by addressing some of the common reasons why we fail to really connect and confront and candidly communicate with God. Now, before we go any further, and for the record, I don't want people to get too agitated about this word confront. I'm not talking about Don Chaffer's sort of confront, Jesus. You know, there is another meaning for the word confront, and it doesn't have to be overly aggressive or adversarial but it can also mean to bring face to face. Additionally, I'm not advocating malicious disrespect and or slanderous outbursts against God, but a true face-to-face and heart-to-heart with our loving God who already knows us more deeply and more intimately than we know ourselves. So going forward. For me, all you have to do is turn to the Psalms to see direct, powerful, and prayerful interaction between believer and God. King David never shied away from letting the Lord know of his deep joy and his profound sorrow. In those psalms of lament, we hear no sugarcoating of the human suffering, loss, anguish, troubles, and hardships. They are the life is hard and unfair psalms. And how about Lamentations? A whole Old Testament book devoted to the cries of human suffering resulting from the destruction of Jerusalem. Listen to Lamentations 2, 19a. As each night watch begins, get up and cry out in prayer. Pour your heart out face to face with the Master. Tremper Longman, in his Bible commentary, a piece he entitled, Getting Brutally Honest with God, wrote this. He said, I already understood that the lament psalms gave me permission to complain to God. God invites us to speak to him with utter honesty and boldness. This is different from grumbling against God, as the Israelites did when they journeyed from Egypt to the promised land. 
The Israelites spoke about God behind his back, or so they thought. Conversely, the complaints of the psalmist are spoken directly to God. And whereas the wilderness generation had given up on God, the psalmist had not. Even though they often addressed God in anger, they spoke to him, asking for help and hoping that he would answer them in their distress. And I thought that was an interesting way to sort of set apart the two different kinds of grumblings or complaints that we might have. Even in our hurt, even in our complaints, let there be hope. There is something there, you know, wanting action and waiting for answers, just craving to be heard. That is a powerful thing. But for some of us, that ability to confront God is elusive, and we become paralyzed in our silence. And that's where I'd like to transition into some of the ways and fears that we have that keep us from truly telling God what we are feeling, our sense of abandonment, our doubts, our anger and frustration with a situation. Okay, first off, um, I'm sure for some it just, it doesn't seem polite or respectful or reverent to have this kind of confrontation with God. You know, when I was raised, we didn't run through the church. We were re- That was God's house. You know, some of us were raised a certain way, and we were taught a certain model of prayer and a certain kind of relationship boundaries that you would have with God. Those ingrained thoughts and perceptions about God are very hard to shake. I mean, it literally might never have dawned on some people that you can and should speak directly to God about all the things in your life, even if they are unpleasant, ugly, and hard to talk about. So if you're hearing this for the first time, you have permission. You really do. Number two, for others, it might be a profound hurt or trauma that has left them unable to be honest with our Father who art in heaven. Perhaps oppressive spoon-fed religion, abuse and neglect at the hands of parental figures, among other unspeakable traumas, have muddied the waters for these people. These events undoubtedly leave scars, mistrust, and a huge distance placed between them and God the Father. Barriers are erected to provide protection for themselves. Being honest with God is a risk those individuals are reluctant to take, for they do not know a loving and compassionate God. I feel like that's one of the true injustices inflicted upon a human, is that they don't really know how loving their God is. Therefore, great works of healing love, compassion, and grace in Christ's name needs to be done in this area so that these individuals who do have a faith in God can also feel the presence of God and be granted permission to fully lament before that same God. Some folks have been taught that such emotional release is weakness. Being taught to suppress emotions on either end of the spectrum is no doubt stifling. 
And said repression leads to one to extend that same emotionalist facade to God. For those people, God is cold. God is removed. God sets things into motion, but we're down here doing our thing, and no amount of complaining and crying about it is going to solve anything. You just keep that stuff to yourself. How utterly sad. How woefully far from the truth is that belief about our Creator and the desired relationship God wants with us. And finally, this is not an exhaustive list uh, by any means of the reasons that we have a hard time being direct with God. I didn't want to keep us here all morning long. But the last reason that I'd like to speak to is one that I can certainly relate to, and that is a lack of self-awareness and an awareness of the true nature of God with a dash of stubbornness and a whole lot of nearsightedness. It's in those times when we fully intend to engage with God, but through our own arrogance, obstinance, and human limitations, we merely cannot go toe-to-toe or be face-to-face with God because simply put, we just seem to get in our own way. And it's that last one that I want to focus on here for just a few minutes as we come to the conclusion of this sermon. The one where we fail to confront God out of stubbornness. You know, we miss out on the authentic relationship that God desires for us. Additionally, it keeps us from fully connecting with the God who wishes to be there for us and comfort us at all levels. In particular, when we shut God out, we miss things like God's comfort, God's peace, love, and empathy towards us all. The best way that I can describe this is by sharing something personal in my own life. Many years ago, I remember visiting with um, a law school classmate um, after the loss of her father. She had made many sacrifices to care for her father, ultimately leaving law school in another state and relocating back home so that she could take care of him. They were so close. She was his caregiver. They were everything to each other. And this was a particularly painful loss for her. I remember visiting with her some months after his death, and I asked her, so how are you doing? I don't remember the exact words or phrasing of our conversation, but I remember one thing vividly. And that was her saying, I am so angry with God. I just, I can't deal with this right now. That was particularly shocking to me. I mean, she was so devout and and strong in her faith. And I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe that she just said that. I couldn't believe it until years later when it happened to me. I mean, my friend had a few years and life experiences ahead of me. And while the circumstances were different, I was impacted by a difficult situation affecting some of my friends, very special people who I love dearly. I felt terrible for their circumstances. And I was dutiful in prayer and earnestly prayed for the best outcome. That was my desire. I felt productive in prayer, but... That was only half of the truth. The real truth was I was also angry. 
I was deeply angry at God. Well, this is kind of embarrassing, but I guess I just needed something or someone to blame. I needed to make sense out of something that desperately didn't make sense to me. Now, the rational part of me, Lawyer Ali, said, Now, hey, these things happen. Honey, this is just life. This isn't anyone's fault. But instead of confronting my feelings and confronting God over my displaced anger and frustration, I stayed stuck for days, for weeks, for months. My stubbornness and desire to hoard my pain and put a distance between God and I solely on my part. I decided that I could handle these feelings on my own. And since I was mad at God, I didn't need to involve God in this. Now, remember, none of this is rational. But finally, it all came to a head one day. I was praying for my friends, and I just, I became very overcome with emotion, and I felt, this is what it felt like. I literally felt like something kind of broke free. And it was like I was reaching out and grabbing God by the collar and shaking the Almighty. I was like, yeah, you, God, you you better not mess this one up because I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't work out. I really need this to work out for them. I was surprised about how raw my feelings were, but I suppose that's what happens when you bottle it up for five or six months. The rawness of my reaction, well, if nothing else, it was honest. And it was finally out there, and I was still standing. And I felt like God was going to continue to stand with me no matter what the outcome was going to be. Later, I shared with a friend the stubbornness and irrational feelings I had towards God that that I fully knew that God wasn't to blame. I mean, seriously, I don't adhere to that theology, and yet this situation had shook me pretty hard. Nevertheless, I was embarrassed. I mean, I'm in ministry. You don't have these feelings, right? I hit the wall. It was a wall that I erected between God and myself. I just felt that maybe God couldn't ever really know how I was feeling down here. But my friend assured me quite the opposite was true. My friend shared with me the story of a remarkable man, a man of God named Dr. William Sloan Coffin, Jr. During World War II, he was an intelligence officer. He then served as a CIA agent during the Cold War. He became a dynamic peace and civil rights activist on issues of race and war. As chaplain of Yale University, he opposed racial segregation and in the U.S., excuse me, in the U.S., and opposed the war in Vietnam. He was a world leader on issues of hunger, hunger, nuclear disarmament, homelessness, poverty, and other causes. William Sloan Coffin, Jr. was one of the towering Presbyterian ministers of the 20th century. For 14 years, he served as senior pastor of the Riverside Church in New York City. Everything I've shared with you up to this point 
makes him a very remarkable man. Wouldn't you agree? But it's the thing that you're going to hear next that I think is truly astounding about him. One day, word came to him that his beloved son David had been killed in a motorcycle accident in New York City. Many of his parishioners, of course, were understandably distraught. One exclaimed, Dr. Coffin, you're David. He was so young, so gifted, so promising. Why would God let this happen? How does this make you feel about God? Bill Coffin said, God's was the first heart that was broken. God's was the first heart that was broken. Why couldn't I have known that? How different my journey would have been if I recognized the caring and empathetic nature that exudes from our Creator. Why did I for even a minute, a second, not give God the benefit of the same sorrow and frustration that I felt for my friends? Pastor Rick Warren said this, The first thing that we need to say is that God is grieving too. A lot of people try to make it sound like, well, everything that happens is God's will. That's nonsense. God allows everything, but God does not choose everything. The big takeaway is simple. I could have gained God's strength, courage, peace, and love during the time that I chose to hide from God in anger. Had I recognized that God was with me, the journey would have been much lighter. This realization that God's heart is the first one to break means I don't ever have to do this alone, and neither do you. God is the embodiment of empathy, which literally means to suffer in, to suffer as if yourself were really in that other person. Together with a truly empathetic God, suffering As we do, we make our way forward. The passage may still be immensely difficult, but it's one I believe God genuinely wants to go on with us. Now, I still get stubborn from time to time, but at least I know now that I can be honest with God, and so can you. When your child is wandered and they are lost and you are heartbroken and afraid for them, God is too. When you're reeling from losing a job that you had been at for years, a job that you desperately need, God is reeling too. When you find out that your illness has returned and you're terrified and angry, God is too. When the discord in your family has fractured a sacred bond and you're distressed and hurting, God is too. When the one you love is gone and you are enveloped in sorrow and suffering, God is too. But now we turn towards God, face to face, confronting that which causes us pain, and we cry out in directness with God. Hiding, avoiding, and ignoring your feelings is a relationship killer with God. Tell God how you really feel. Be honest 
be willing to confront if you have to. In so many situations that we deal with in life, God feels the same way as you. We can blame God, or we can see God as being the original source of empathy and compassion that guides us. Just like the saying goes, pain is real, but so is hope. Our hope lies in a God who can love us through our pain and our brutal honesty. Confront God. Be direct in your prayerful conversation. And let God's empathy and compassion sustain you. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, you are the great comforter. Your capacity for empathy is beyond that which we can comprehend. And yet sometimes we fail to bring you our frustrations and suffering. We choose to go it alone for many reasons. For many reasons we don't confront our feelings and bring them to you. What must you think when you see and feel our pain and we won't let you inside? How hard must it be to see that we would rather suffer alone than with you? Lord, help us to be brave, be honest, be direct, to find healing from past wounds and injuries, and come freely and sincerely to you in our sufferings and in our joy. Amen.